from the NFL. We know the Browns have talent, but I'm not sold on this rookie head coach. To the NBA. Kawhi Leonard has added his name as one of the best players in basketball. Across the landscape of college football. The Pac-12 got how many teams in the top 25? And so much more. Boxing needs a Dana White. It has too many chefs in the kitchen. The stories you want. The Zeke Elliott holdout could be coming to a close. The opinions you need. LeBron is coming back with revenge on his mind. The king is back. It's Jay Wise. I keep telling y'all my last name is no joke. And Nathan Drinkard. If they don't win this game, it's a wrap. Stick a fork in them. They're done. This is a drink of wisdom. Welcome to a drink of wisdom. With Jay Wise and Nathan Drinkard, I'm your host, Cody Ward. Thank you for spending some of your time with us tonight. What's going on, guys? Happy Friday. All right, what's up, man? Trade deadline finally gave us some good stuff yesterday. Yeah, man. I I'm, I like to think that they heard how we was talking about that sorry 12-man trade, that blockbuster that was literally blockbuster and went out of business, and then they actually gave us something to talk about. I, I put in a couple calls. calls. We, got, we, got some, we got something to get into. In episode 45, the Wolves and Warriors make a deal. 76ers continue to slide, and the Rockets' small ball lineup succeeds, at least for a night. Let's begin with some NBA trade deadline action. Miami Heat pulled off a three-team trade earlier this week to land former Finals MVP Andre Iguodala. Iggy was traded by the Golden State dump cat space this past offseason and has been sitting out hoping to join a contender ever since. The Heat traded Dion Waiters and Justice Winslow to the Grizzlies and sent James Johnson to the Wolves. In turn, the Heat received Iguodala, Jay Crowder, and Solomon Hill. Miami appears to be going all in on a playoff run, while Memphis is quietly building out west. So, Jay, how far can the Heat advance with the playoffs with Iggy? Well, it definitely puts the an Eastern Conference Finals berth in play. I still think with the addition of Iguodala and Jay Crowder, because we can't forget about him. But overall, this still doesn't put them on par with Milwaukee. I, th- I still think Milwaukee's leaps and bounds ahead of everybody in the East. But there's a there's a there's a grouping of teams right now with Toronto, with Miami, and with Boston that can all all have a good shot at making the Eastern Conference Finals, depending on how seating goes. And I was I was telling Drink before, what you don't want to be is in that fourth slot, and perhaps having to tr- tangle with Indiana in the first round. That's gonna be that's gonna be a chore, and then you're gonna be facing Milwaukee in the semifinals. But Iguodala, the one, there's a couple things. We know we know Iguodala's got championship experience. We know how clutch he is. He can make big shots at the end of games. Got great defensive versatility. Plays very unselfishly. Underrated passer. Uh, the problem is, the regular season for me, it might be a wash for him. And what I mean by that is, I think it's going to take some time for him to get into game shape. Got to remember, he's been sitting out all year. Still getting paid for some odd reason by the Memphis Grizzlies. But fortunately, they let him go. They sent him to Miami. But his real value is going to – I believe Pat Riley made this move because he's thinking playoffs and what Iguodala can give you in the playoffs. And that, that's where his real value is going to come in. Regular season value is probably going to be the intangibles, mentoring younger guys, letting them know what it's like to make a run in the playoffs. A lot of, a lot of these guys, this is going to be unfamiliar ter- territory to them outside of Jimmy Butler. So Iguodala, it definitely, a few weeks ago we talked about the Heat, and I, I wasn't sold at all on this team as much as I love Jimmy Butler. But 
that this this trade it has them right in the thick of things with Boston and Toronto for the Eastern Conference Finals. I do think you want to be in that two to three range though for seeding, and it's just going to be a fantastic semifinals on that side of the bracket, depending on how it all shakes out. But th- this trade with Iguodala with Jay Crowder, they got a real shot at the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, <clears throat> listen, I agree with um everything Jay said for the most part. One thing about Jimmy Butler, and this is why I'm a Jimmy Butler fan. Jimmy Butler don't take no nonsense, right? So what this trade did to me, when I look at it, it kind of saved the heat. I think Pat Riley, being the smart guy that he is, he knew, okay, this is a good opportunity. I could bring in a veteran that's going to clash well and that's going to come off the bench. So now I've got leadership in the starting lineup with Jimmy Butler. Now i got leadership on the bench with Iguodala, right? Just like Jay said, he got experience in the playoffs, deep in the playoffs, former final MVP. So he know what it takes to win, you know, those last four games in that last series, right? And he get rid of knuckleheads. He got rid of Deion Wader. Knuckle, I mean, call it, call it what you call it, but Deion Wader is a knucklehead. He got rid of him. James Jones, not necessarily what you would call a knucklehead, but he wasn't highly producing either. So you got rid of him. Justin Winslow, that, that surprised me a little bit. I, I was a little surprised that they got rid of him, but I guess you got to give up somebody to get talent, right? So that's probably the guy they got rid of that was the somebody of the group. Um, and then, you know, they got rid of um, Jordan. He didn't, you know, I'm, well, I'm sorry, the Wolves got rid of him, but he was in that mix. I'm sorry. And so with all that said, I like the move. And not like Jay said, for me, I can definitely see the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. Right now, I'm willing to say the Heat probably just moved themselves up to the second best team in the Eastern Conference. Now, like he said, that trio of teams do have to play it out. Toronto, Boston, and Miami, they're going to have to play it out for the Milwaukee Bucks sweepstakes because um, you can bet your bottom dollar. Here's what we do know. The Bucks going to be there waiting. Unless Giannis breaking half or something, I don't know. Like, they're going to be there waiting on somebody. I don't even know if they're going to lose a game in the playoffs. So, they're going to have to battle out with those two teams. I like the move. And listen, everybody is, like, panicking because they're like, hey, Iguodala hasn't played at all this year. He hasn't played. They're not bringing Iguodala in to be, you know, the elite. They're not bringing him in to be LeBron, KD. Like, listen, calm down. Hey, he's the anchor. They're bringing him in to be the anchor. Hold everybody together. Here's what we need to be looking at. Here's what we need to be trying. I think we should do this. Jimmy, how you feel about that? Eric, how you feel? You know, that's what they're bringing him in to, like you said, be a mentor, be a teacher. But that's, uh, people got to pump the brakes here. Oh, Iguodala, he old, he 37. That was back in the day when he was good. That's how experience works. You got to do something back in the day to be able to pass it on. That's how it works. So, look, man, I like the move. I thought that he did well. And, look, Pat Riley, man, he the GOAT. I'm going to tell you right now, this dude just the GOAT. He makes stuff happen all the time. Think about it. Before this season started, you these moves that have been made by Miami, we just didn't see them coming. Jimmy Butler coming over, 
Iguodala coming over. We didn't even see them being in a playoff com- a conversation. No, they could very well be the second best team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, the uh, I really like the move as well. You know, you're you're absolutely right, Drake. You know, people are acting like, oh my gosh, you know, he hadn't played all season. Like, yeah, think he came off of several finals, deep finals runs. Okay, we talk about a lot with a, like a guy like LeBron, for example, a guy that's always in the playoffs, always going deep. Well, the Warriors lived in the NBA Finals for the last several years. So he had a lot of miles the last few seasons, and I think some time off doing good. And let's, let's be real. It's not like he was sitting at home on his couch eating Cheetos, like, I'm retired, screw y'all, and then so he got a phone call. Like, he's still on an active NBA roster. I'm sure he was still working out and be, staying conditioned. So it is going to take some time to, you know, fit in with a new system and get back into the swing of things and get into your game shape, no doubt. But um, he should have a little bit of a bounce in his step once he gets his legs back under him. And like you said, it really does kind of fortify the the defensive side of it for Miami, especially when you get to the playoffs. If you're going to be playing against guys like Giannis and Pascal Siakam and these other guys that are tough to defend, you're going to need a guy like him because you get in the playoffs. You're talking about exploiting those matchups. You're going to have to. You're going to need a guy like him who could be invaluable when you get into the playoffs. You get into one of these six, seven game series where you can get a guy like him to make that little bit of difference you might need to get over some of these teams. And you know. Hey, he's not like what he used to be, but he was still averaging 10, 4, and 4 in the playoffs and shooting well for Golden State just this past season. So let's not act like he's, you know, washed. And uh, I did want to take a second, though, to also mention the Memphis side of this. I really like what Memphis is doing. Uh, they basically got a first-round pick for taking Iguodala's salary and just paying him for half a year. You've got a roster that's completely been rebirthed. I mean, you had an old, stale, going-nowhere roster. You traded Conley. You know, some other guys – Moved on, retired, you shipped them off, whatever. You got a great uh, pair of guards. You got a guy, John Morant, that we all know is going to – his arrow is so far up. And you got uh, Dylan Brooks they just signed to pair with him for a couple years. Darren Jackson Jr. is an underrated guy who's getting better and better. You just infuse your roster with some more upside guys like Jordan Bell, Justice Winslow. Deion Waiters can get you some great minutes off the bench. Um, none of those guys are probably going to be superstars at this point, but we all know these good teams like Milwaukee, like uh, the Clippers, you, you have to build those second units. You can't just be a starting five and nothing else. And, uh, you know, you also can own all your first-round picks. You got your future first-round pick from Golden State in the future, and you also have the first-round pick from the Jazz when you trade him Mike Conley. So I really like what the Grizzlies are doing out west, and you've got a great mix of uh, old guys, young guys, and a roster that's going to be going forward in the west for years to come. And, th- and just think about it. They're going to make the playoffs this year in the Western Conference. That is six twenty-five. So you know that's a win right there already. You getting early returns on your dividends already. All right, guys. There's another big trade at the deadline yesterday to get into. Minnesota Timberwolves shipped former first overall pick Andrew Wiggins and a first-round pick to Golden State for D'Angelo Russell. The pick is a top three protected pick in this year's draft and unprotected next year. The Wolves have been high on Russell and were eager to pair him with Carl Anthony Towns. Meanwhile, Golden State gets to reload with front court help when Steph and Clay get back and get a pick out of the mix. So what do you think, Drink? Who got the best of this deal? <clears throat> it's the Warriors. Um, let's be real here. I do like I like the trade that the Warriors did to get Wiggins out. Clearly, Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns, something there wasn't meshing well. So they, you know, they say, hey, let's try to switch it up. I like the proactive, proactiveness of Minnesota. But listen, D'Angelo Russell, as good as he's been, 
we have seen a small sample size of him being a, a star, superstar, or however you want to look at it. It ain't like he's been wowing us for like the last three years. With that said, the Warriors get Andrew Wiggins, former number one overall pick, and they get a first and second for the 2021 draft. Look, here's the deal. This is what we know. This is a fact. Next year, they should have a three killers back with Draymond, Clay, and Steph. Now you you just added another number one pick on your roster. And I will remind you this. Andrew Wiggins is not a guy that blow your socks off when you watch him. But he's not bottom of the barrel either. He's a quiet guy. So we shouldn't have to worry about him, like, you know, getting there, being boisterous. Hey, this is, you know, I'm Andrew Wiggins. I'm Andrew effing Wiggins. Like, we shouldn't have to worry about that because he hasn't done nothing to that point. And for the most part, like I said, he's a pretty quiet guy. Now, I would I would caution this. One of the reasons Jimmy Butler is not still wearing a Timberwolves jersey is because of the attitude of Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns when it comes to winning ball games. They was a little more focused on getting their money. They wanted to focus on winning games, and that that ticked Jimmy Butler off. With that said, hopefully Andrew Wiggins now you you at the cream of the crop. Like next year, Golden State will go back to being the cream of the crop, right? They would they would go back to being at least a top four team in the Western Conference. Um, and now you get to be you get to be part of that gravy train. So make the best of it, because you're never gonna get it. You you probably won't get it this good again. Because if you don't make it work and go to state. Guess what? You're going to the Bulls. You're like you're out of here. You're not. You're not getting this deal again. You you win the Sweet State once. You you're not getting it again, now, buddy. So the Warriors won this. I hope Andrew Wiggins take the best of this. But yo, he's the best player in all this. I think in this trade, even better than D'Angelo Russell. Because I know people gonna say, "Well, D'Angelo Russell was an All Star." But tell, let me know when he become an All Star again. Um, but I, I think the Warriors won this and. That's my outlook on it. Yeah, I I like the Warriors in this trade as well, although I'm not sure if Wiggins is better than D'Angelo Russell or all the way around. It might just cancel each other other out. But I like the Warriors in this trade because I think this is all about fit. When D'Angelo Russell was acquired by the Golden State Warriors, I suspected that this was not a long-term thing because I look at the Golden State Warrior backcourt with Steph and Clay. There's no room for D'Angelo Russell out there especially when you consider Steph's not a great defender and Russell's not a great defender. So it really, as explosive as they could be offensively, to compromise your defense. Now, as it turns out, this ended up just being a wash of the year for Golden State with all the injuries. You're left with Draymond and a bunch of dudes he picked up at the Y. So you were put, you, were, you had this position to where you could make this type of move. And now you get a guy in Wiggins who can be your three at the small forward and be your third scorer. And for Wiggins, this is a former number one overall pick. As we found out, it doesn't appear that he's a one. You put you pair him with Carl Anthony Towns, it doesn't appear that he's a two. But this is a great situation because you come in with Steve Kerr with the ball to ball movement. You come in with Stephen Clay, so you're playing with two of the best. You're playing with the best two shooters in the game, and there's going to be a lot of space on the floor. And this is a situation where there's not going to be a whole lot of pressure on Andrew Wiggins. I mean, think about it. All he has to be is a little bit better than Harrison Barnes. And I think Wiggins is capable of doing that. He's a guy that 
he's an easy 20 to 25 a night. So with that being said, I, I love this trade for the Warriors. And, it's, it, of course, it's all about next year when they get Steph and Clay back. And Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't want to cut you off. I was going to let you finish. But I was just going to say um, I heard that um, Draymond Green had to shop at the same store as uh, Carson Wentz this year. <laughs> I think, hey, Wolf. Went, 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 a little bit better than Draymond. Dray, Draymond couldn't handle all that. But hey, so the Jimmy Butler point where, uh, you talk about Jimmy Butler, Wiggins, and, uh, and Cat. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, I think it worked. I think, it, I think it, it's more apt to work in Golden State because you got, you got level heads out there with Steve Kerr and Clay and Steph. You might have a little bit of running with Draymond if you don't have your stuff together. So I watch out for him. I mean, he was coming. He was coming at KD last year, so you know he's not playing around. But I think with the, just the system they play, the unselfishness with they play, uh, I, I love this trade for Golden State. I think I think Wiggins will fit right in as long as he's got the right mindset and he comes in. Perhaps this is something that you know humbles him a little bit. And as long as he's focused on uh, on playing basketball and playing the right way in a with this type of team, I think he's fine for the Warriors going forward as they continue to reboot this thing. Now that now the challenge for them, because the starting five is going to be outstanding next year. Now they got to fight. Now they got to fill out that depth with the assets. They starting to accumulate. They got a lot of second round picks. Now they got the first in this deal. Now you got to get that depth together. You got to find the next Livington, the next Iguodala, just younger versions. If they do that, there's no doubt. This is a team that can be right back in the NBA Finals next year. Absolutely, absolutely for them. That is uh, what I like about, like you said, the fit with uh, what it, Wiggins is going to bring is perfect because I feel like he slots right in between a Harrison Barnes and a Kevin Durant. Obviously, okay, yeah, KD is just Harrison Barnes turned up to 25 and he can do whatever the hell he wants all, all day. But, like, you still get, like, we know that this formula works. It works really well. And Wiggins can do everything these two guys did. Um, maybe, again, not to the degree Kevin Durant's going to do. He's not going to be able to just make his own shot whenever he wants. But you're still going to get a scoring that's going to be higher than what Barnes gave you. And he's still got a little bit of upside. You know, you're talking about playing for a bit, the best coach he's ever played for, and that was Steve Kerr. And he's going to get to play with the best players he's ever played with. So, you know, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not one of these people that are sitting around waiting on the Andrew Wiggins breakout season six years later but you're still talking about a situation where you have a guy that could maybe maybe the, the potential hasn't quite been reached yet you know just within himself but then putting him in the best possible position it reminds me of a lot of guys that like you know go to the patriots and the patriots get something out of them the other teams couldn't get out of them you know the warriors kind of have that feel so maybe it's that same sort of situation maybe it's not but then jay you're absolutely right to the point that the warriors get a draft pick as well i think that's almost as big of a deal as getting wiggins is you got to build the other half of this roster. I mean, this roster is bad, and you just traded a bunch of people off of it. I mean, you're trading the dudes you found at the Y. Uh, you sent two guys to Philadelphia, and you were part of a couple other trades with a couple guys. So you got a lot of work to do in the back half because I don't care how good you're going to be at the starting five with Steph, Clay, Wiggins, uh, and Draymond. If you don't have anyone else, I mean, that's not going to be enough. And, you know, for the for the Wolves, I I like it because you're going to do a, what a lot of teams are doing, which is basing your team around one or two stars. You you know, these these duos we're seeing all over the league. Now you've got yours with Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. Maybe Russell's got enough leadership now. He's been around a couple teams. He's been through the ringer a little bit. Maybe he can be the guy that can inject some leadership into the team but not go too overboard like Butler did and just want to make everybody mad and leave town type thing. Maybe that's maybe he's got that little better balance. Um 
that they're going to need. And, you know, the Wolves don't have to give up so much to get him. The, the salary works. You got rid of Wiggins' big contract. You bring in his contract. You're not too much different on the cap overall. And uh, you still got your first-round pick from the big trade earlier in the week. So, overall, the Wolves stay in a pretty good position, but you're not – it ain't going to be this year. But, hey, you got you got a roster that you can – in theory, you can move forward with and still be something in the West as long as you can start filling out the rest of it. And you've got a great bedrock now to launch off from. Yeah, yeah, that that all sounds good. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, I, I heard they was best friends. I think Cat was waiting at the airport for him, and it was all good. So we'll see how it goes. Um, it's just going to come down for those two guys. I just checked that roster. Outside of those two guys, it's pretty bare. So there's oh, still there's still a lot of work it. to do. Listen, I ain't saying they don't have work to do. They do. Yeah, they, yeah there, there's still a there's still a lot of just bumbling dudes out there. The, their, their first round pick, Jared Culver. You guys heard the fifty forty ninety shooting line. Well, this dude's got a thirty twenty forty going right now. So it ain't he's not having the best season. We'll see how his sophomore campaign going. But right now, it doesn't look too pretty out there. But we'll see. You definitely got two centerpieces for the future, although you're definitely going to need a third, fourth, and so on to help. Uh, and also, one thing I want to look at is I don't know how far they plan on going with this coach, but um, if he don't show me a little more, like, I mean, he's a young guy, so he still needs, some, I guess, um, some experience. But I'm telling you right now, if this dude don't show a little more, they're going to need to get him out the door, too. He he about as worse as a supporting cast right now. So I think a coach going to need to be involved with these two young personalities trying to go to the next level. I don't even know who the coach is, but I'm guaranteeing that uh, Tom Thibodeau is still better coach than this guy. All right, guys, with the trades out of the way, let's get some NBA on-court action. Last night, Giannis and crew defeated the Philadelphia 76ers at home 112-101. to The reigning MVP shined in the contest, dropping 36 points, 20 rebounds, and 6 assists. Milwaukee also got help from the deep bench with 30 points combined and shot well as a team overall. On the other side of the ball, Embiid struggled last night, shooting 6 of 26 from the field, and Simmons didn't do much on his end either. The Bucks continued their domination of the East, while the Sixers have lost 4 straight and are 8-11 since Christmas. So, Jay, who's the most to blame for the 76ers' disappointing season? You said MB struggled last night. That 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 is putting it kindly. That's putting it kindly. But, listen, there's a whole, whole host of blame to go around. We need to devise one of them little pie charts to slip it into percentages of who deserves what. But I'm going upstairs just a little bit for this one. I'm going to say the man that – devise this roster at the general manager position. I'm going Elton Brand. I think Elton Brand's got to be held responsible in in some of this. Let's remember a couple things. Philadelphia 76ers had a couple guys by the name of Jimmy Butler and J.J. Reddick last season. I guess Elton Brand didn't think it was a big deal that those guys walked in free agency. Uh, We just talked about the Heat a little little bit ago. They're doing quite well, and they blew the Sixers out earlier this week by about 31 points. So Jimmy Butler's doing well, and the Heat aren't as talented as Philadelphia, especially in the starting five. So, And then, of course, J.J. Redick. I mean, we've talked about the Philadelphia 76ers and their lack of shooting, although they're 19th in three-point percentage. I think that's pretty, that's pretty impressive. I expect them to be much worse. But the, the roster construction overall, it doesn't look like it fits. 
I mean, Al Horford at this point is a spot up shooter. I mean, what what are we doing? A six ten guy, and like they're literally they're running plays for him to get open from three. When have you ever seen a six foot ten guy other than Kevin Durant come off a curl and launch a three? I mean, it just didn't make no sense. Al Horford should only be spotting up from three. He's coming off of curls like he's Kyle Korver. It don't make no sense. And let's get, and of course, your two cornerstones out there, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. What did Ben Simmons do last night? 11 points on five for six. 14 rebounds, nine assists. Yep, yep. Almost slid in with that nice-looking triple-double. Let me tell you something. I'm so tired of Ben Simmons. You know, all I see with the 76ers and Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons just brings the ball up the court, pretends he's going to drive somewhere, and then just he gets about to the 15-foot area and then kicks it out to somebody. It's just like no one's taking this dude seriously. Like, you drive the ball and you kick it out. And, and, and also this, they just they bring the ball down sometimes. And it's probably like five or more occasions last night. Simmons brings the ball down. Embiid's behind him. Simmons gets just shy of the paint. He turns around, just lofts him the ball, and then he just launches a three. Like, no no offense whatsoever. Just bring the ball up, give the, give the ball to your seven-foot center, and he launches a three-pointer. Three for ten last night, which is actually better than what he did from two-point range. He was three for 16 from two-point territory. Now I'm, giving, now I'm talking about Embiid here. Embiid was absolutely dreadful last night. That's probably the – He's had some sorry performances this year. Didn't he have an 0 for 11 or something earlier this season? Yeah, and it's Shaq and Barkley were giving him the business. This was almost as this was almost as bad as that, if not worse. He looked soft. He looked weak. There were so many times where he was in the post and just when he did go to the post because he shot way too many threes in this game. There was so much fading away. There was no force. There was no going into somebody's chest and playing with force and playing aggressively and attacking the basket. There was too much just nonsense with his performance. And then, of course, on the other side, there was little to no effort defensively to stop anybody. You just got Giannis just going through him or around him, left, right, middle, didn't matter, just whatever he pleased he was doing. And then, of course, it has gotten to the point with the Philadelphia 76ers. And, and I'm going to leave Tobias Harris out of this because I think Harris does a little bit more. I'm not going to call him just a shooter because he does, he can do a little bit more than that, although he's still not a max player. I'm not getting off of that. But the Philadelphia 76ers, do you realize that their best spot-up shooter is a guy named Furkan Korkmaz? I mean, I'm serious. That That's their best spot shooter coming off the bench. Mr. Korkmaz from Turkey, bring him in. He was only two for eight last night. But he is literally the only guy. That I look at when he comes in the game, I'm like, oh, you got you got to watch out for this dude. He can shoot the basketball. He's he's not JJ Reddick, but he can shoot. And but that that's just that just speaks to the roster construction. You don't have anybody in your starting lineup. Like your best three point shooter is Al Horford. No disrespect, but you got to have something a little bit better than that. Can we get a? And again, there, there's the problem. Your point guard won't shoot at all. Literally allergic to a jump shot. And it, you know, when he goes to the free throws, free throw line, I understand why. Because he can't shoot those either. So you literally, you he must not work on any type of shooting whatsoever. It's terrible to watch. And then it goes beyond what they do on the court. Have you noticed some of the body language, some of the things we see? Did we see Joel Embiid sitting at the end of the bench at one point? What are you doing over there 
felt like you're the 12th man on the bench, just sitting on no, no willingness to sit next to the coaches, talk to them, maybe make some adjustments. What are you saying? What do I need to do differently? How about you just play better? How about that? But just sitting over the end of the bench, like he don't matter at all. The only dude I've ever seen with that, uh, like a, a, a MVP talent level player do that is Steve Nash. And that's just because he was at the end of the bench just getting massages and doing his leg stretches and all. It's a joke. Did you see that one play where Ben Simmons was in the post and he threw the ball out to Embiid and it was a bad pass and they just like stared at each other? No willingness to sprint back down the floor and get back on defense or nothing. It's a joke. And and again, Elton Brand, I put some, I put most of this and it's probably, listen, there's so much blame here. Elton Brand's probably not even half the problem. He's probably in the like 40% range because Brett Brown is culpable here. And your best players, Embiid and Simmons, they share a lot of this blame too. This is the 76ers are 31-21. They're the sixth seed, I believe. That's a joke. This is a team that should be when we open the season and we've been def, we've been talking about this team, they can still, when it's all said and done, they have the talent to be in the Eastern Conference Finals against Milwaukee. But at this particular stage, I'm losing faith in that day by day. I don't about have no faith in because they don't show me nothing. They don't play on the road. They're like 22 and two at home, but nine and 19 on the road. That just speaks to mentally, psychologically. They are weak as a unit. They're not together. You got Al Horford. Even Al Horford in the media talking about, yeah, we got some internal issues. Uh, there it is. That's all you know. Al Horford, the one probably like really adult dude in the in the locker room saying, yeah, we. I, Al Horford, Al Horford should be kicking himself right now. There's no, there's no way, there's no way you can't tell me Al Horford doesn't wish he's in Boston right now. They stink. They stink right now. It's a joke. Somebody get this man some water. I, <clears throat> I need some water. I'm out. I just ran out. How do you follow that up, Drink? Good lord. <laughs> well, listen. Here's the deal, and this might go over a couple people head, but here, here's how I look at it. The Speaker of the House. And the president of the United States got better chemistry than Simmons and Embiid. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That is downright ridiculous. Here's, here's how I look at it. I put this on the coach, man. I put this on the coach. You get paid way too much. Look, Elton Brand, his job is to bring talent in. Now, if you want to bl- if you want to blame Elton Brand by saying, "Hey, man." You need to get one of these guys out of here. I got it. All right. He, if he if he get one of these guys out of here, maybe. But but when it comes down to making your talent work, that's the coach. That's what Phil Jackson. Look, listen. Phil Jackson made a living off that. Believe it or not, that's what Phil Jackson did. He he was he's not the goat because of X's and O's. No 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 no. He's the goat. Because he used to get them egos together and be like, look, this is how we're going to do it. This is how it's going to happen. And he made it work. He made it work with Michael Jordan and anybody else he didn't like. He made it work with Kobe and Shaq. That's what made Phil Jackson. So that's how important the head coach is. And, hey, oh, uh, Brent Brown, you ain't cutting it. You ain't cutting the mustard. I don't want to hear, well, you know, he was here when the team was just at the bottom of the barrel. And when the process just got started, and then he seen the good days, and he done brought them to the tunnel to see the light. Listen, if I want a story like that, I'll read the Bible. But until then, 
I need some I need some real deal head coaching. You dig? I need some head coaching out there, Brent Brown. Sometime today. You need to figure this out. I don't give a rip if one of these cats gotta come off the bench and play with the second unit. You need to figure out something. Because this ain't gonna cut it. This this ain't gonna cut it. Because hey, you're lucky MB was just on the end of the bench with bad body language and he didn't whip out a Chick-fil-A spicy deluxe and start eating it in the middle of the game. Cause you know he good for some crap like that too. I mean, oh he he hey, let me see that cell phone, cuz let me call my baby mama. Do some crap like that. Cause that's you might as he ain't playing no ball, so you might as well let him do something different, right? So look, this is on Brent Brown, man. He ain't cutting it as a coach. I'm sorry. They gotta get a a head coach in there that know what's going on. He needs to go to um the next job he do, he need to be worried about making the tournament. And I'm talking about NCAA. Cause this this I I'm I'm done with Brent Brown. Until Brent Brown get fired or something, this team is just not gonna be good to me. This, my opinion, I love this opinionated show, but the, I put the blame strictly on the coaches because because of your guys because you, you can't control your team. Your two best players are here flopping. They trying to fly with no wings. That's what they're doing. They're trying to fly with no wings. They just running in and stuff. Crash Bandicoot. All this other crap. That's what's going on right now. Cause he can't get he can't get the team in corral. And just like Al Hofford, uh, hey man, this ain't it. Hey, and I agree with Jay. I bet he still is with Boston. Cause hey, let me tell you something Brad Stevens can do. He can coach the skin off some mediocre to above to average to above average players. Now, you know, we can get to the superstar. Yeah, that's another story for another time. But look, this type of team that like that Al Huffer left, he'll be in there balling right now. I mean, he probably on the all star team right now. But instead, he over here wondering why Siberia is so close. Cause I, I look, Rick Brown got to go. And that's my story and I'm sticking to it. When you when you first when you first brought up the word tournament, I thought you were referencing that NBA midseason tournament that they're talking about talking out. Because this Philly, yeah, this Philly team looks like they'd be perfect for that. And you're absolutely right, Brett Brown. He's the he's next in line for me behind Elton Brand because systematically it looks like offensively they don't have an identity. Is it Embiid? Is it Simmons? Is it Harris from time to time? Who's the lead guy? To me, it's quite simple. It's got to be Embiid. And but just there are too far on too many occasions. Embiid is just standing at the three point line for you know multiple possessions in a row, and that's just not good enough. So, but I, I say again, JJ Reddick and Jimmy Butler. I don't understand why they did not prioritize bringing those guys back. I think they would be much better with them. I think Jimmy Butler, his intangibles. And his fiery attitude, I think if Jimmy Butler was still on this team, you'd see a more consistent Joel Embiid. And Ben Simmons, I mean, it'd be a case, Ben Simmons would turn into the next Andrew Wiggins or Carl Anthony Towns. Because Jimmy Butler, you just wouldn't have this type of lackluster effort and lack lack of cohesion and togetherness. It's just a mess right now. But again, I put most of it on Elton Brand. But Brett Brown, he's culpable too. Mm, I'm not sure I'm supposed to follow that up. That is uh, 
I think y'all turned over every rock he could against uh, the for the 76ers, man. Wow. Hey, I think y'all are both onto it. I, I think you really just have a mix of nothing really is going right. I mean, you know, I, I had in the notes, you know, I, for this, I said that Joel Embiid just looked gassed. He looked like he lacked confidence. He didn't seem focused for stretches. You know, there was a stretch or two where he kind of got it together for a minute, but this is not new with Embiid. I mean, this is something that the guys had a problem with ever since he's been in the league, and even the last couple of years, he's really kind of turned it on. You, you know, you mentioned you referenced the the zero point game, um, and then Chuck and Shaq got all up in his business about it. Didn't he have like he had like with thirty eight the next night or something? Like all of a sudden the switch was flipped, and the dude went out there and just dunked on everybody from the space station. And it's like that's what you have with this guy. You have someone that just isn't able to put it together. Every every night, you know, you have nights where his he's just mentally he's just not really feeling it. So then he goes out there and plays like this. And then tomorrow night or next night, he can go out there and look completely different. He kind of looks out of shape again. I don't know if that was just because he didn't really wasn't really into the game, but he looked like he was out of shape and sluggish. And uh, a, lot of time, like a lot of times he just ran down the court, stood at the three point line and didn't really get in there. Maybe maybe I was just seeing it wrong. I think, you know, it doesn't work with Ben Simmons because unless Joel Embiid can be that shooting threat that the team really doesn't have enough of, you know, once again, Elton Brand, thanks. Uh, you know, you have the problem where Simmons can't make up for it when Embiid is not shooting the ball well. When the team isn't shooting the ball well, well, Simmons can't help you with that. That's like the only thing he can't do. So you just – the fit doesn't work. And I, I was sort of hoping we would see this team trade one of these guys at the deadline, make some big move and try to shake it up. But uh, I get you kind of got to try to make this work. But ugh, I just it doesn't just nothing seems to fit. And, you know, a lot of these possessions just seem to kind of gum up and turn into a slog. All the guys kind of standing around. And then, like you said, Simmons will try to drive and kick. And it, it, everyone knows what you're doing. And it just I don't know. The whole thing just looks it looks like a train wreck to watch. Um, I do like their trade deadline acquisition that you got two guys coming off the bench that's going to help because their bench play is pretty bad. When, when Cork Maz is your best bench player, that, that ain't good. So I like the two guys I got from Golden State. That should help a little bit, but they ain't going to solve a lot of their problems. So, yeah, the 76 can get this turned around. I think a lot of this is on the coaching, but this roster also has got a lot of issues too. So they, they may wind up having a lot of changes because when we're talking about teams like Miami getting better, the Bucks obviously as good as they are, and some of these other teams like the Raptors staying in it. It's hard to imagine this team getting a lot done in the playoffs, and if they don't, get ready for some uh, big changes on the horizon. Yeah, th- thank you for bringing up Milwaukee. We didn't say a single word about Milwaukee this entire segment until at the end you brought them up. And the 76ers have problems. Those problems look a whole lot worse against Milwaukee because they're the best team in basketball right now. Their length on the inside, when you drive, when you get into the paint area and think you're going to you know, lay something in, there's just so many bodies in there collapsing on you that it's impossible. And Milwaukee's just really good. And it, and you know something that's really discouraging? Philadelphia was plus 21 from the three-point line last night, and they still lose by double digits. That that, that That's discouraging. Yeah, yeah. You're right, Cody. We, um, <laughs> you, we didn't say a whole lot about Milwaukee. Well, I say this about Milwaukee. They're good. That's all I got. That's about what I had in my notes, too. They're just constructed well. They seem like that prototypical build around your superstar, get some guys off the bench. The only issues they really seem to have is when Giannis isn't on the floor, 
Uh, Eric Bledsoe seems to take over and do some stuff, and it doesn't work sometimes. But, uh, yeah, their problems in comparison to the 76ers look pretty minor. And like we've said before, that's the team we expect the Bucks to all be, you know, in the Eastern Conference Finals, no doubt. Yeah, Bledsoe, I cringe every time you take a jump shot. Like, stop it. Get to the basket. Let's wrap up tonight, guys, with a game from last night, late last night. Houston Rockets' bold new post-trade deadline small ball experiment was a success for an evening. They defeated the Lakers 121-111, to thanks, thanks mostly to a vintage Russell Westbrook performance. Westbrook finished with 41 points on 17-28 shooting, while five other Rockets were in double figures. Meanwhile, the Lakers, who played a team without a player above 6'7", were unable to take advantage. Anthony Davis threw in 32 points and 13 rebounds, but the team was unable to keep pace with Houston. The Lakers hold on to a first place, but it's down to two-and-a-half game lead, and Houston is back in the four seed. So, Drink, did this game prove that the Rockets' small ball approach can work? I, I, I don't think so. Here, here's the deal. Frank Vogel, and he said this before the game, he said he hated that his team was the first team that had to play against this whole experience because it's an experience. So, of course, when you do something the first time, it might fly. Think about it in the NFL. Chip Kelly offense worked that one time, but it flamed out pretty fast. So when you introduce something for the first time, you might get a little success because it's the first time. But I guarantee you this, the next team that play the Rockets, when they roll that out there, we're going to see a true test, and it's not going to be as favorable. And I'm going to tell you this, it wasn't like they beat the Lakers because of this lineup. That wasn't what really happened. But if they did win while starting this lineup, so they would get credit for the lineup. But no, let's be real. This 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 ain't gonna fly. This ain't gonna fly in a seven game series. Are you kidding me? What? I get seven games to look at you do this, man? Please, you're not gonna beat me four times. You're not gonna beat the Lakers four times with this, or the Clippers, or the Jazz, or, or the Nuggets. I, I mean, you might not even beat the Thunder with this crap. Who knows? But. That's neither here nor there. That this lineup is not is not gonna cut it. Now, I would say this: what this lineup does do, though, it does space the floor a lot better for your two stars. That's what it does do. So, I would say this: then Tony gets to do what he want to do with his two stars, and then the two stars get to kind of do what they kind of want to do now, because they don't have to worry about running into Clint Capella, or they don't have to worry about taking space away from Clint Capella. Because that five, P.J. Tucker, is already in the corner anyway, putting up his two-man tent. So it, it, it doesn't really matter. He's never going to be in the way. So now you got clear lanes for takeoff and Harden, you know, coming to um, air, air beard, you know, we clear for takeoff, and here comes Russell Westbrook. He coming down, he's doing the same thing. That's what it do. It do. But listen, I'm a, I'm a strong believer in this. I'm very strong. This would not beat anyone in the seven. Well, it would beat someone. This would not beat the upper tier teams in the Western Conference in a seven game series. It just won't. And if you're going to give me that bull crap about, oh, yeah, they just beat the like. Listen. Listen. Go trade your eyes in. Go trade your eyes in for something else. Get an extra pair of lips or something. Because I don't want to hear it. Don't tell me this just beat the Lakers so it proved it can work. No, that's not what it just did. 
You just prove you can start off a game like that and you can win a game. That's what it proved. But it ain't proving it's beating nobody when the time comes to it. Because you got to understand the two players that's in this offense. Mr. I can put up 50 one night and I can be gone for the next two months. And then you got Westbrook. That's playing good ball. I ain't going to knock Westbrook. I, I honestly think Westbrook is playing some really, really good ball as of late. I mean, he keeps this up. He might push Harden to the side a little bit as being the alpha to um, James Harden Bravo if he don't get his stuff together. He keeps flopping around like he's doing. You might have to kind of look at that and be like, hey, okay, Westbrook, I see. And now that you took Clint Capella out of here, we know what Westbrook good at. The triple dubs, baby. And now you open the triple dubs up wide open now because he can go steal all the rebounds because he ain't got to worry about no center to get them over. So, listen, I'm not not a buyer of this lineup yet. Um, Maybe they might prove me wrong. But right now, I'm not a buyer. So, that's how I look at that. Yeah, if you think if you think this lineup's gonna win a play a seven game series against the Lakers or Clippers, then you you must really be a Houston Rockets fan. That's all I'm saying because there is no way that this works in a seven game series for several reasons. Number one, I would remind y'all since Russell Westbrook lost Kevin Durant, has he been out of the first round of playoffs? He hasn't, has he? So with that being said. Westbrook was fantastic last night. Not gonna take anything away from him. Shot selection, getting to the basket, his his ability to get out in transition. It's probably the biggest. That was probably the biggest thing the Lakers didn't do right last night from a defensive standpoint. Westbrook gives you forty one points on twenty eight shots. That's probably how the Lakers would prefer it to go because Westbrook's just too streaky to have that put together this type of performance together and win you four games in a series. I would much prefer if I'm Frank Bogman, I told you this guys earlier, I would much, I would love in a seven game series, let Russell Westbrook go one-on-one, chuck up as many shots as he want because they're mostly going to be twos. And we know Houston loves to play by threes. So if you just don't leave shooters, you get a competent guy with some length in there to bother Westbrook, make him take tough contested twos. I love it. Like, yeah, roll this line up out every night. And then on the other side, and we talk about Clint Capella. So let me break, let me break down about Clint Capella. I understand. It spaces the floor. It, it absolutely does. Cause now you have no buy in the paint. Now Russ can get to the lane and you literally, you, now Russ or Harden, they can get to the lane and you have to make a choice. Somebody's going to be open if you help or it's going to be a one on one layup of free throws. That's what it's going to be. But you all, you lose a lot when you lose Clint Capella. You lose the pick and rolls with James Harden and Clint Capella where you get so many lobs. You know how many easy basket Clint Capella gave them just above the rim from James Harden? They don't have that option anymore. And then, of course, defensively, it was an absolute massacre inside when the Lakers had the basketball. They had no – the Rockets had no chance, no shot blocker, no rim protector whatsoever. Anthony Davis was chewing these people up. He was having the easiest time. Anthony Davis is probably the one that's like, I love this trade. Let me work. 32 and 13, and it should have been 40. Anthony Davis should have went for 40 last night, and the Lakers just got away in the fourth quarter from what they were doing. You realize these guys had a four-point lead with about six and a half left. 
And then the Rockets outscore him 19-5, largely because of poor shot selection. You got LeBron out there, one for eight from three, that's too much. And a lot of them are just bad shots. You're taking them off the dribble. They're contested. They're not open. And you're just, when you do that and you take that many threes, Lakers were nine for 31 last night from three. They were a minus 30 from the three-point line. You're just playing right into the hands of the Houston Rockets. You're not as good a shooting team as they are. You don't have as many snipers out there. So, And when you're not a good three-point shooting team, what does that lead to? Long rebounds and transition opportunities where Russell Westbrook can really, really hurt you. The Lakers, and, this, and I hope they learned this last. I hope Frank Vogel picked up on this. This is a, If this winds up being a playoff series, it would definitely behoove the Lakers to slow this game down. Throw the ball down on the block to Anthony Davis. Give him the ball every time if you want to. Or LeBron. And force guys to help. And if they do help, then utilize your shooters. Because Danny Green and Avery Bradley were really good last night. I was just going to say, and the Lakers happen to have the number one player when it comes to controlling the pace of the game with LeBron James. That's what he do. That's one of his strengths. Absolutely. And with the Lakers being an older, more veteran team, wouldn't it behoove you to slow the game down? I mean, it's almost like when Dan Tony coached the Lakers back in 13 and he wanted to run and gun with that old roster with 40 year old Steve Nash, Kobe Bryant. I mean, Ron Artest slow on a good day. Paul Gasol, seven feet and old and, and Dwight Howard was fairly young at the time, but you don't need those seven foot guys running up and down the floor at just hyper speed. I mean, that's nonsense. So for the Lakers, slow the game down. And the Lakers, when they threw the ball inside and attacked the rim, they got good stuff. They dominated. But they settled for far too many threes, especially in the fourth quarter. And their lack of offensive execution really hurt them. And then another thing, you're plus one on the boards. There's no way that is acceptable. You have to be better. Only – both of these teams had six offensive rebounds last night. That, that's just a lack of effort. Assert yourself on the inside more. And I'm not I'm not worried about this Houston Rockets small ball lineup. This was this was as much of an aberration as you can get. Yeah, I I don't think it's going to be a complete aberration because when you have a guy like Westbrook and a guy like Harden, there's going to be nights these guys do this, and that's the kind of the the thing with this whole experiment it is completely boom or it's completely bust i think there's gonna be nights where the rockets do this to people and they're gonna win games by 10 20 more points and they're gonna have a night where harden goes for his 40 50 point performances or russell westbrook turns in one of these performances but then there's gonna be nights where they get destroyed yeah let me cut let me cut in real quick but by aberration the rockets when we talk about the houston rockets regular season stuff we're done with like, we've seen James Harden so much in the regular season. We've seen this dance. We've seen an MVP award. This is all about for the Rockets. And not only James Harden, Mike D'Antoni, Daryl Moore. Regular season success is out. They will be judged by what they do in the playoffs. So when I say it's an aberration, I'm talking about the playoffs. This won't get it done in the playoffs. Yeah, they'll be fine the regular season. Like, I mean, there's going to be a whole bunch of teams that it's going to be their first time seeing it too. So it's going to be an adjustment. But in a seven-game series, you will absolutely get exposed with this small ball, mini-me nonsense. Right, and that was what I was kind of getting in. You're absolutely right. And this was kind of leading down towards, because we've seen this before, right? I mean, the Warriors did something like this, but they're the Warriors. They get the exception. But 
with D'Antoni teams, we saw this. He did this three years with the, the Phoenix Suns, the seven seconds or less Phoenix Suns, right? You, you saw the same thing, and it worked. It got them in the playoffs, but what stopped them every year? The Spurs stopped them twice, and the Mavericks stopped them in 2011. It was, and those teams played a bigger, more grinding, slow, especially the Spurs, you know, Tim Duncan and crew, big fundamentals and whatnot. They were able to just slow those games down, pull it all down to their level, and they beat you with what they were good at because those were well-coached teams. And then the Mavericks did the same thing. They were well-coached. They had Dirk. They had Tyson Chandler before he was old. Like, they had dudes that were big enough to to stop this. And that's kind of the thing. Like, this works because the Rockets are kind of accepting, okay, yeah, you're going to beat us up inside, sure. But – you know, we're going to make it up because we're going to shoot more threes than you. Okay, well, that's great if you're shooting 40, was it 2% they shot tonight, last night from three? Like that, hey, cool. But when you're not, when you're shooting average or below average or Harden is one of these nights where he's just gas and don't want to play uh, or Westbrook decides to put up all his bricks that he does sometimes, this, is, this isn't going to work. And in a seven-game series where you can expose matchups again, I don't think it's going to work. I don't, we'll see. But, hey, it didn't work the first time, and D'Antoni's putting all his chips in the table again. I can appreciate someone who can look at themselves and, and say, hey, this is what I'm good at. Go for it. But at least it'll be fun. But before we get off this subject, I did want to ask you all real quick, uh, going to the Lakers side of the ball. The Lakers didn't make any trade deadline moves, really, that were noteworthy. And uh, we'll start with you on this one, Drink. Do you think that uh, that was a mistake? Maybe they should have done something? Or you like that they held Pat? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, they lost last night game when they lost the trade deadline. I'm, let me just be perfectly honest with you. That I thought last night was a microcosm of the trade deadline. What do I mean by that? Well, you went out and you tried, you wanted to get a playmaker or just some another player that can get something done when LeBron go to the bench. You didn't, and look what happened. Look, and <clears throat> no, no, get me wrong. It's other things that factor in, but I'm just talking about when. Do we start looking at that other team in L.A. and start thinking, we have to get better if we want to beat them? This whole idea of, oh, we're going to stand pat. We're going to stand pat. Like, no no one cares. Like, the Clippers have literally beat the Lakers at every single thing. Have, have you noticed that? From, from this offseason to now, the Clippers have beat the Lakers in every single fashion. Everything. Kawhi, Paul George, every game they played this year. Um, Tyron Lou as an assistant coach. Um, now we're talking about Morris. Like, they have – it's like, yo, I understand y'all the Lakers. I understand the bravado and all this other crap. Like, the Clippers could never overtake the Lakers with popularity. I, I got all that. But right now, y'all can beat like a drum. And it, it, and it seems to me that – Rob Palenka and, and, and Jenny Buss, they're, they're content with this. And I don't understand why. Your best player is an aging superstar. You not notice. You don't have much time left. You could just watch him and tell he don't got much gas in the tank left. He's trying to give it to you. And instead of making a trade that could have helped you, hey, this is a deal breaker. We ain't trading Kyle Kuzma. How'd that work out for you? Four hot ones last night. And by the way, this ain't the first time he just scored four hot ones. So tell me, tell me how this is working out for you. Your cornerstone of the future right here. Your actual cornerstone of the future is Anthony Davis. And if you would have asked him how he felt about it, I guarantee you he would have told you, um, yeah, 
let's go ahead and get rid of Kuzma. Now, if you want to tell me, if you want to tell me where the reason they didn't make the trade is because they didn't want to give up Danny Green, okay, I can live with that. I can kind of live with that a little more. But when I hear all the, the reports saying Carl Kuzma was the deal breaker, why? Why? Somebody explain to me why Carl Kuzma is such a deal breaker. Because I would say this. I I said this back when they traded all these pieces for Anthony Davis that they should have kept Brandon Ingram instead of Carl Kuzma. But they kept Carl Kuzma because he kept a cool head through all the drama last year. He was a cool customer. He didn't lose his his confidence. He just played ball. Hmm. Well, he losing his confidence now. These stupid haircuts. Ain't played defense since, been, since the season started. Been hurt half of the season. He showed up for two games. One of them have, happens to be against the Clippers. I give him that credit. But listen, man, this, now the trade deadline is gone. So now you got to hope that you get this second playmaker. Oh, because by the way, you know that guy, uh, Raja Rondo, that you signed, that you thought was going to be the guy that go run that second unit, that's really not really running the second unit, that's kind of like, eh, hey, Anthony Davis, run the second unit. Oh, yeah, because that's what he do, right? Look, you don't go get this secondary playmaker. LeBron looking at you like you're a, a doggone fool. You got Darren Collison. At, he's on the sideline like this, a college football recruiting visit. He's sitting over there. You got him and Jeannie Buss with matching hoodies on, and then they want to dun them off at the same time like it's a doggone magic trick. But, and then, What is this, AAA baseball? That's what we done to now? Gimmicks? Everybody get a free T-shirt? That just starts. That start with the 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 cheesy the, the whiz cream or what? Like, listen, man. Listen. So it's no secret. I'm a you know I'm a LeBron fan. It's no secret. But my boy can't. He can't do it. It's just he can't carry all this. He's getting old, man. He ain't a machine. And the Lakers was my pick. They really was. But every time they take an L to the Clippers this year, I lose more and more confidence. And they just taking these L's like it's no big deal. Like, I don't get what's going on here. What is going on? Twilight Zone, baby. So, with that said, to get back to your question, I really, I think they needed to make a, a move. I think the Lakers know they needed to make a move. They're just so fascinated with Kyle Kuzma that they didn't want to make a move for whatever reason. And it sucks because that's really their only asset. In order for them to make a trade, they had to get rid of Kuzma because that's all they really got. You know, Danny Green would have been a nice cherry on the top, but he can't be the cupcake. That's Kyle Kuzma. So I, I don't know what my boy is doing, man, but they should have made something happen because right now the Clippers over there are already popping champagne. I think I seen Kawhi Leonard with a cigar in his mouth. I don't know if it was Photoshop from last year or whatnot, but it seemed like they already celebrating a West, at least at bare minimum, a Western Conference championship already because they Lakers just not doing enough, and it, it saddens me to see this. And oh yeah, by the way, I gotta ask Frank Vogel something. Hey Frank, hey, my boy, listen. Ugh, I don't even know how you got this job, but you got it. But listen, um. You got you got to tell me something about this Anthony Davis David uh David Copperfield crap in the fourth quarter. I I don't know why 
you tend not to give this guy the ball in the fourth quarter. I know he get hurt a lot, so maybe he's just telling you, oh, oh I'm hurt. Oh, that's red kidney. I don't know, but you got to give him the ball more in the fourth. What are we doing here? The guy was 14 for 21. What? He makes his free throws. He's a good shooter. He's not great, but good enough to get the job done. He rebounds. What am I missing here? Why is LeBron? Frank, was you not at the game when LeBron got his shot blocked by Patrick Beverly? A three-point a three point jump shot blocked by Patrick Beverly? Was you not there, Frank? Because you was there. What that tells me is LeBron ain't what he used to be. And I'm all right with that because he's getting old. I'm okay with that. This is why you went out and got Anthony Davis. This is why you went and got him for the fourth quarter. LeBron, take a rest. We got the oxygen mask in the back. Go and get you some of that. Get over there. You know, dump it down to AD. Let him make, let him do some shake and bake. Three course meal. Do it all. Instead, and the Davis chilling. I guess these guys just want me to play defense all the time. Uh huh. I don't know what's going on in the fourth quarter. I get a couple of blocks, whatever. Make me look good. I'm trying to be the defense player of the year anyway, y'all. Whatever. And and then you losing losing to the Rockets that's out here with this JV team, Pop Warner football team, and a bunch of midgets running around, and you can't beat them? It, it, it ain't like James Harden. Why? It, it would be one thing if you told me James Harden went for 60. I'd be like, James Harden went for 60, man. What you want? James Harden had 14. Russell Westbrook went for 41. I wonder why. Oh, transition defense. Did somebody say transition defense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That transition defense. I mean, can you say a warm knife through hot butter or however that go? Listen, my boys got to get it together. Y'all got to get it together. This is bull crap. Hey, Frank, if you ain't going to tell them what's going on, tell Jason Kidd to start calling the players or something. We, we got to do something. This ain't going to work, all right? And, yes, yes, Cody, they should have made a trade. They should have did something. They out here bullcrapping and bulljiving, and this is what we're stuck with. Yeah, a couple of, couple of quick points. Thank you for letting me get back in. The the Out of all the one-liners in this segment, I, I almost lost it earlier when Drink said, trade in your eyes and add a, have you added another pair of lips. Can you imagine people walking around with two sets of lips on their face? Oh, that just had God. me, that just had, that had me going oh. earlier. And secondly, Drink rambled and got so far off the beaten path. And you know why? He's really concerned about his Lakers pick in the preseason. He's concerned. He's emotional. That's okay. That's okay. But listen, yes, I do think they need to make a move. But, again, this is another reason why I, I pick Clippers to start the season. Because it's not only about what I see on the court. Co- we have to look at coaches. We have to look at front offices. And when we look at trade deadline stuff, I'm looking at those front offices. And I told you before this season, I have more confidence in the Clippers front office and their executives to add a piece at the trade deadline than I do the Lakers. Now, part of that could be the Lakers – Again, Kyle Kuzma don't have a lot of assets, and that that could be ultimately why they didn't make a move. And it, it's tough. Like if you if you give up Kyle Kuzma, you have to win the championship now because you have no young assets moving forward for ultimately when LeBron retires. 
And now you got to be concerned with Anthony Davis long term. I mean, when LeBron leaves, a lot of these veterans are going to leave, and it's going to be Anthony Davis and just, you know, all the air he's breathing. There ain't going to be all that much left. So, I mean, yeah, yes, the Lakers, they needed to make a move. But if they want to keep Kyle Kuzma, I guess that's the price. You, I mean, I don't – the Clippers, though, I, I'm going to say this about them. When I think about their bench and and also Patrick Beverly, think about Pat Beverly, Marcus Morris, Montrezl Harrell, and Lou Williams. That, that is, you think about the dogs in that group. About, don't, don't forget about old Shaman. Yeah, Shaman. But particularly Beverly, Morris, and Harrell. Those guys are grit and grind, nasty, do the dirty work. And I, the, when you look at the Lakers, I don't know who who do they have that can really match that type of intensity, especially on the second unit. I don't see it. At the beginning of the season, I would have told you it was Rondo, but I, he, he ain't cutting it. Like, I, And he was the guy that I really thought would be a key this season. And another thing, the Lakers kind of, it almost kind of seems like they might have peaked too early. They're five and five in their last ten. They're not playing particularly well at this moment in time, and that they gotta they gotta find a way to get back on the upswing to make us feel, especially make Drake more comfortable with them heading to the playoffs. Because this this level of performance and inconsistency will not cut it. I agree. All right, guys, and finish off with some rapid reaction. A lot of topics, a little bit of time. Take it away, Drake. Yes, sir. Let's roll. After 13 NFL seasons, safety Eric Weddle is retiring. What will you remember the most about him? Well, he had a great career, but I'm going to go with what have you done for me lately. And my most recent memory of Eric Weddle is that time he played the Baltimore Ravens last season for the Los Angeles Rams. And he made those comments like, no, I'm, I'm not sharing those secrets of what the Ravens do with Lamar Jackson, even though he played for the Ravens just last season. But, yeah, that's my that's how I remember Eric Weddle. Recently, at a charity basketball game in Miami, rising undefeated boxing superstar Javante Tank Davis was seen aggressively handling his ex-girlfriend. What is your take on this? Look, man, these domestic disputes are getting out of control. But then when you do it in the public during Super Bowl weekend in Miami, like, what are you doing, man? You're derailing your career before it even starts. So hopefully, you know, they figure that out and he, he does what he needs to do. But come on, Javante, you got too much talent. You, Get your stuff together, man. Get your stuff together. The Cleveland Cavaliers traded for big man Andre Drummond, and although he and Cavs GM Kobe Altman have spoke, spoken since the deal, they have yet to discuss Drummond's long-term future. What was your reaction to this trade? couple things. Uh, contending teams must not value big man at all, and if, if Drummond signs long-term, that probably means Tristan Thompson going to be shoved out of town. Clemson approved a three-year, $5.1 million contract for offensive coordinator Tony Elliott, which will tie him with Steve Sarkeesian next season as the highest-paid offensive coordinator in the country. Is he worth that much? Hey, look here, man. There's only a couple of teams – well, I ain't going to say a couple. Probably about five to ten teams that can get away with something like this. Clemson happens to be one of them. And as long as he keeps the the train rolling like it's been rolling, most definitely he is. The Los Angeles Clippers acquire – Marcus Morris from the New York Knicks. Does this trade make them the clear-cut favorites out west? Yeah, we touched on this a little bit earlier. And uh, uh, to be fair, I like the Clippers before they made this trade, even to start the season. 
And I do think this trade puts a little bit more separation between them and the Lakers. Tomorrow night, it's a boxing match at the People's Center between the featherweight division king Gary Russell Jr. versus Tugshot Niambayar for the WBC featherweight title. Drink, who is Niambayar? I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know. This like this guy just kind of came out of nowhere. Gary Russell Jr. probably need a warm up for a bigger fight down the road, so he found this guy deep off in the jungles of Thailand. Told him he'll give him a title shot, and here we are. All right. When asked several questions about Cam Newton, Panthers GM Marty Hunley will only say Newton was rehabbing. What does that mean to you? Cam, Cam ain't playing for the Panthers next year. Let, let's stop playing. I don't care what the GM says or doesn't say. LeBron and Giannis drafted their all-star teams last night. Who has a better roster? I guess it depends on your definition of better. I thought Giannis had uh, – defensively, I thought Giannis' um, team was better. Um, offensively, I think I give LeBron the slight edge. If I had to take one of the teams, I'm going to take Giannis just because Giannis – I think he picked his team with his heart more where LeBron always got an outside agenda going on. So I'll probably take Giannis' team if I had to pick one. The Browns have hired former 49ers defensive backs coach Joe Woods as their new D.C. Good hire? Yeah, I, I'm not sold on this. Number one, it's, it's the Browns, so I'm skeptical of anything they do. But Joe Woods was the defensive coordinator under Vance Joseph. For Vance Joseph, I said Vance Joseph like three times now. But he was the defensive coordinator for him two seasons in Denver, and that defense was not very good. So I'm not sold on this at all. The nightcap Saturday night on pay-per-view UFC 247 goes down in Houston at the Toyota Center. It's a light heavyweight title main event between the number one pound-for-pound GOAT, John Jones, versus the number four ranked Dominique Reyes. Who you got? Well, you know what I'm saying. I'm going to go with the G-O-A-T, baby. I'm going to go with the GOAT, John Jones. Hey, listen, here's, here's the crazy thing about this, right? John Jones is the GOAT. He's clearly the A-side of this matchup. But just like you just read, this matchup is going down in Houston, which is a telling story simply because John Jones is from New Mexico and Dominique Reyes is from the state of Texas. But John Jones to clean the division out so well, they can't even um, really sell tickets for him. So they say, let's put it in Texas so we can sell more tickets. But it will be John Jones with another one. All right. That concludes today's Drink of Wisdom. I'm Cody Ward. I'm Jay Waz. And I'm Nathan Drinker. And remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you till next time.